Welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Hello and welcome back to episode 27, which, after a summer break and a busy period of auditions and blocking rehearsals, brings us to what could be viewed as season 3 of the Manx Theatre Podcast with me, Neil Cowan. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome along and thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we like to try and keep you up to date with what's going on in theatre on the Isle of Man and chat to the cast and creatives of upcoming shows to find out a little bit more about the shows and the people behind them. And sadly, since our last episode, we've lost three big names within the Manx theatre community. Carol Clark came to the island in the 60s and worked backstage at the Gaiety and became involved with the service plays and ultimately Madfa through her love of the Easter Festival plays. In Ramsey, she was a member of the Raven Players and worked on many roles, but ultimately stage managed their pantos at Ramsey Grammar School and later the Gaiety. Later, when the National Youth Theatre was formed in Douglas, she set up the Northern Youth Theatre to give kids of the north of the island the same opportunity. Jean Webb was a life member and former chair of the Service Players. Jean performed and directed countless productions for the Service Players over many, many years, and at the time of her passing, she was the current president of the Service Players, attending rehearsals and performances when she could, and passing on any advice that she could offer. Finally, Jenny Green. Jenny was a life member of the Manx Operatic Society, the Albany Theatre Group and the Service Players, and she helped out backstage with wigs, hair, costumes and makeup on countless musicals, plays and pantomimes over many years for many different societies on the Isle of Man. I'm happy to say that an announcement was made to the crowd at the Gaiety Theatre before one of Centre Stage Productions' performances of Annie, and the audience were invited to give them a final round of applause. This was a very touching moment. Since recording this episode, we've sadly become aware of the passing of Kevin Farragher on Thursday 11th of November, after a short illness. Kevin was a well-known face at the Gaiety, having worked at the Villa and the Gaiety for over 15 years, and only just retired in July this year. Kevin was well known for his passion for theatre and during that time he's worked in many roles at both venues, most recently as assistant front of house manager at the Gaiety and also for carrying out many of the Gaiety theatre tours. Keeping the love of the theatre in the family, Kevin was also the father of Gaiety's stage manager, Ted Farragher. Kevin was also a dedicated military veteran having served in Northern Ireland and regularly officiated at the annual remembrance ceremonies. All will be sadly missed by many. On a brighter note, it's great to see that since our last episode, COVID restrictions in the UK have lifted further, meaning most, if not all, of the West End shows have reopened, including Back to the Future the Musical, which, as a huge Back to the Future fan, I cannot wait to see. One theatre, attempting to provide something a little different and allow some social distancing, is London's Playhouse Theatre, which has been transformed into the Kick Clap Club, with tables and chairs for its production of Cabaret starring Eddie Redmayne and Jesse Buckley, who was on the BBC talent show I Do Anything, which also helped launch the career of the island's very own Samantha Barks. Speaking of Samantha, Disney's Frozen has finally opened in the West End, starring Sam as Queen Elsa and is receiving rave reviews. Sam has also recently released an album of songs from the musicals entitled Into the Unknown. Songs include the title track taken from Frozen 2, Heart of Stone from Six, Waving Through a Window and Only Us from Dear Evan Hansen, and I'd Rather Be Me from Mean Girls and many others. The album is available to buy and or stream from all the usual outlets, and if you're in London, you might be lucky enough to pick up a signed copy from the theatre shop at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. 
It's also been a good time for movie musical adaptations, with film versions of Everybody's Talking About Jamie and Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights already available on Amazon Prime and Dear Evan Hansen in cinemas. Tick Tick Boom, starring former Spider-Man Andrew Garfield and directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Steven Spielberg's West Side Story are due to hit cinemas in the coming weeks. There's also a number of other musicals currently in production or development, including an adaptation of Tim Minchin's musical of Roald Dahl's Matilda, which is due to hit Netflix December 2022. Also, I've just read that currently in development is a movie of the musical of Mean Girls. So this is a movie of a musical, which in turn is a stage version of the 2004 film. Coming up on this week's podcast... I'm joined by Alex Tui to find out about his performing career so far and find out about his future plans as he makes the step from performer to producer. You can still listen to all of our previous episodes through the usual podcast outlets and at manxradio.com forward slash podcasts. Whilst you're there, make sure to subscribe, give us a like, rate and leave a little review and share with all your friends. If you subscribe, you'll make sure that you never miss another episode. This podcast is published for us by Manx Radio. And because of that, I've never really been sure of just how many of you wonderful people actually listen. We've got just over 400 followers on our Facebook page, which is fantastic, but I'd always assumed that only about half of those people actually probably listen. So when I was recently told by Manx Radio that our last episode for A Chorus Line back in July had received over 18,600 downloads, I was absolutely gobsmacked. So once again, thanks to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes. It really means a lot that so many of you are listening. Make sure that you keep up to date with what's going on between episodes by following Manx Theatre Podcast on both Facebook, Instagram and Manx Theatre Pod on Twitter. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil Cullen. Right, down to business. Joining me today on the podcast is South African-born actor and singer. We'll not mention his dancing just yet. He's a former chairman of the Douglas Choral Union, who over the last 15 years or so has managed to build up quite a list of impressive leading roles. It's taken a while to get him here, but Alex Tui, welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Happy to be here. Alex, welcome along. It's nice to uh, thank to, you to finally get you on, on board. I know there's there, there'd been talks quite a while ago, but we've uh, you finally done something worth talking to you about now. Haven't <laughs> <you>? <laughs> it's taken a little while. Yes, it, it was a few years ago when when um, the Manx Theatre Podcast first started, when I was approached and I was just about to have my wisdom teeth out, and I said, "Can you just give me a few weeks?" And um, several years later, here we are. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it was not long after after Les Mis, wasn't it? That you did with the Manx Operatic Society. Yes, that's correct. Yes, so it was it was during that time. I, I mean, I did the whole of Les Mis with really bad toothache, and I took you know um, several painkillers. Uh, I saved up my my allowance of painkillers for the evening. Yeah, uh, for the day uh, until the evening, and um, so pretty much the whole show, every show, I was uh, you know had a lot of painkillers on board just to hide this. this uh, the pain from the, the teeth yeah and then i had my uh, wisdom teeth out and um yeah it was, it's fine it's great now it's all good yeah so over the years then you've um you've had quite an impressive list of of lead roles all the way from gaston in beauty and the beast you've done john valjean you've been john in miss saigon you've been the president in annie colonel pickering in my fair lady there's 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 lots of big big parts i've been right? extremely fortunate you know and i think yeah, I, I, just very, very lucky, very grateful, you know, and and um, to be able to 
play those roles. We're very lucky, as you know, on the Isle of Man to be afforded shows like Les Mis and, you know, um, Beauty and the Beast, which was a premiere at the time for the DCU and, you know, Miss Saigon, as, you know, as you say, we're very lucky to have those opportunities and then to actually be cast in those shows. It's, it's just it's just mind-blowing that you find yourself on stage singing iconic songs of, of, of world you know, musical theatre and you... you, you it just it's, it's it's hard to take in sometimes, but yeah. And then when I look back now that I'm further down my career, and you know, you look back and you think, geez, you know, I've I've got um, just everything to be proud of, really, and I am. Yeah, it kind of paints yourself sometimes thinking, am I yeah. really here doing this role on the, the Gaiety yeah. stage? Yeah, and and none more so when you're singing "Bring Him Home," you know, there by yourself, and and when you're singing it, you you part of you thinks. Wow, I'm seeing Bring Him Home, you know, in Liam Mears. And then, and then you think of all the, the, the people you've seen sing uh, that song yeah. in, in, in London. And you, you just, it, it just really is uh, really, really humbling. And again, and I'm very fortunate. And um, it's a great thing to look back on, you know, in years and decades to come. So, how did you first get started then? Was it back in the days of, of King Bills and the, and the house plays? or? Uh, yeah, I'd always had an interest in in, in performing. You know, but I think in primary school, I think my very first one was um, Aladdin, uh, it was a tiny thing. But I thought, wow, this this is quite good. Yeah. And then um, I, at at uh, yeah King Bill's, uh, I went there when I was thirteen, but I didn't do anything until I was sixteen or seventeen. And uh-huh. I was very much encouraged by a lady. Some listeners uh, might uh, know her, remember her, called Cole McCarry. And we every year that they have a house drama uh, festival there and in my day you know we were a, a boys house and boys some of the boys had to play women and um because i was one of the younger boys they said oi tui you're playing this woman you know woman's part and i think okay fine and uh call mccarrick she, she would go around to all the houses anyway and she would look and give the houses advice as to where they're going wrong what they can do better or you know what they're doing good and um she she kind of pulled me to one side one day, and I'll never forget this. She said, she "said you know, you you can act, you know, and you, you can do something with this." And that kind of really spurred me on to to do something ultimately, in, you know, in, in in years to come, uh, or try and do something in years to come. And yeah, so I just kept on doing it on the school level. And then once once I left the high school, I didn't do anything then for. Jeez, how old was I? I didn't do anything for three or four years. Yeah. Uh, until I came back to the Alaman from university, and um, I kind of f- fell into it. I I was doing a karaoke for a good friend of mine at the Saddle. I think everybody knows Ray Sloan, and it was after one of the Douglas Core Union's rehearsals for Barnum. Uh-huh. I think that was two thousand one. Something like yeah, yeah. They came in uh, after the rehearsal. Uh, they were rehearsing at St Matthews, and they came to the Saddle for a few drinks afterwards. And I was hosting the the karaoke for Ray because yeah. he was away. And I think they needed more men, um, you know, and as... Always need more men, always need more men. And they asked me would I audition for their next show because obviously this one was, Barnum was in full swing. And I said, yeah, that'd be great, yeah. They gave me details and so come the auditions for Oliver, uh, which was their 2002 show, I kind of had a look at what part I can go for. And I I, I fell into, I went for Bill Sykes and um, because I, I, I like to be as efficient as possible, so... I see. I go through a script. Okay, Bill Sachs only comes on really in the second half, so there's only one half of performing to do. Um, I don't really have to rely on anybody else. So if it all goes wrong, it's my fault. So you know the pressure's on me. So I'll go for that part. Yeah. And I, you know, I was a big guy, and I thought, okay, I can, I can be mean. 
and lo and behold, I got the part. You know, yeah. and John Cumberledge um, was my um, who's done many many shows here was was the director for that. And um, so I've known John for nearly twenty years. And yeah, Bill Sykes. Um, so I kind of hit the ground running with a <laughs> with a big part. That's well, that with is, with children and a dog. That's that's not bad for your first role to step straight into the shoes of of Bill Sykes. Yeah, well, but like, you know, like I say, with, with with children involved. Yeah, and handling a dog. But it, no, it was it was a great experience, um, and that kind of kickstarted my my love for the Gaiety Theatre. You know, the first show I saw at the Gaiety Theatre was Godspell by the Manx Ops, right? And I was blown away. I was a, a child, and I was I was blown away by that, mm. and that kind of really gave me that hunger to to maybe, and if I was lucky enough to be on that stage one day, and then 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 I was, and so it's, it's very it brings you down t- to earth, and we're very lucky to have the Gaiety Theatre. You know, we we all know that. Yeah. It's fantastic. So moving forward a couple of years then, you were also involved in Anthony Williams, his production of Copacabana that, that started here on the Isle of Man and then eventually ended up on tour around the UK. Mm. Well, so, so yeah, so that all happened kind of in my, in my first year of performing because I, I, I did Oliver for the DCU and then that summer Dick Ray came to watch Oliver and he asked yeah. me to audition for Fame, which was on at the Gaiety for that summer season. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I got a part in that, and ironically, an acting teacher. Um, and then <laughs> uh, it was during that that uh, Anthony Williams, and I think he saw Oliver because he was rehearsing with the Ops at the time. Yeah, um, asked me to audition for Copacabana, which was um, previewing here. And um, he also did. That, he then did the Panto that year as well. So yes. my first year, I'd, I'd done four shows. You know, I've gone from nothing the year before to then four. And on the back of um, the Copacabana that was here, I was we um, uh, and you were involved as well. You know, yep. we, we were very much um, uh, kind of sidekicks in that um, production. We knew that there was a tour at stake. We knew yeah. that it was going on a, a number one UK tour around places like you know, the Bristol Hippodrome, Liverpool Empire. And I thought this is amazing. You know, and both of us, we, we we're, we're going to do what we can to get on this. And I was again in a, a year of luck. Anthony offered me a part on the tour. And I was working in finance here on the island, and I just thought, well, you just got to take these opportunities. Exactly, yeah. And and I did, and uh, off I went. <laughs> you know, and 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 joining joining a show on a tour with with cast members who had been professionally trained, yeah, and been you know done a f- quite a few shows, and there I was, into my, which was then my fifth show, yeah, ever, all within a year, yeah, um, yeah. So I, you know, it. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was a great experience and uh, one that I'm very grateful to have had because, in hindsight, I'm glad I'm glad I've done it. But I'm the kind of person that needs to know where my next paycheck's coming from and how yeah. much it is. The stability. And, yes, exactly right. And um, so, whilst it's it's a great idea at the time, you know, you don't do anything during the day and, you, and you're on stage every night. And that's fantastic. But um, it's once that job is finished, you need to find another job. And so, it's a great life lesson for me. Yeah. Whereas I had that opportunity, it's fantastic. I know the experience, but I what's more important to me is that stability in life, and that's why I then, well, I stayed in London for a bit longer. Yeah, but then I, I, that's why I came back to the Isle of Man ultimately. So on that tour, then you played the, the role of McManus, who was the the policeman, uh, but you also understudied yeah. Sam Silver, who was the the club owner. Yeah, I uh, said so this is where it gets a little bit weird again because so I got offered this understudy, um, and the guy who played it is a guy called um, Craig Howard, and he he, uh, in his theatrical credits, had played Enjolras in the West End and you know, in Les Mis, and I'm thinking, 
I'm covering this guy, you know. Then and then, what's going on with my life at the minute? This is this is crazy. Oh, you know, we're we're doing this tour for I don't know six months or whatever it was, and uh, however, and I'm not going to get on. I'm not going to get on. But came the day I I I played so I played three shows. Yeah. Um, in Oxford, um, as Sam Silver. Now, that's all great. But what happened was that day I had. I decided to get myself a, a UK phone yeah, because it was far too expensive using my, my Manx phone at the time. And um, and I'd let you know, the uh, the manager of, of Copacabana, the company manager, know when I started what my phone number was. Yeah. And then I was, I was going to then go back that night and say, this is my new number. And just what happened that on the day, the guy fell ill and they're trying to get hold of me. My, my old phone was, was out of service. And so then I walk into the theatre at six o'clock for warm up, and they're saying, "You know, where have you been? All you know, we've been trying to get hold of you. You're on. <laughs> you're on tonight, and we've not had any rehearsal." Yeah. And uh, I didn't have any. You know, I had to get into his costume. I had to quickly go through the lines, and uh, luckily for me, I've been paying attention in rehearsals to his, knowing that I was yeah. uh, his understudy. And yeah, and then I played three shows in Oxford as as Sam Silver on, on a Copa number one tour. It was just all very very strange. With, with an hour and a half's notice. With an hour and a half's notice, yeah. And look, back then my memory was a lot better, so I can yeah. remember lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that, that that is true, especially with the rehearsal we've had in recent weeks. Yes, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I struggle. I struggle nowadays. <laughs> so whilst, when the, the Copa tour finished then, you went down to London, you were involved in a, a few shows down there. You were you were involved on uh, Bombay Dreams, is that right? Yeah, so in, in the evenings, you know, while, while you audition and... Um, you you look for an evening job, and I thought. Well, I I moved into a house. Anthony went when the the tour finished. He he found this house because we we didn't know what to do, where to go, who to yeah. speak to, and they found a house with other performers in, in uh, in West London, and we moved into there. And one of the guys who we moved in with was one of the lead characters in Bombay Dreams, and he said there was a job going on the crew, so I went in there and I thought, great, I'll do that. I'll stay in in the environment and then yeah. try and get the opportunities to. Uh, audition during the day and I ended up working in the crew for nine months and it was such a fantastic you know experience in the Apollo Victoria which is where Wicked is now yeah huge theatre like 2,000 seats and yeah it, it's uh, it, I mean I've still got lots of friends from that day um, I see a lot of them in you know, BBC dramas or adverts and yeah. other things um, but yeah I, I, I work backstage at Bombay Dreams and um, yeah there's <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to, I'm going to jump to a bit where I, it's a bit of a loose truth in that um, <laughs> I can say, well, I have been on a West End stage. I performed in a musical in the West End. Yeah. Now in Bombay Dreams, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's about um, essentially an Indian guy from the slums who makes it famous in Bollywood. And so there's a big film crew, you know, and it's like yeah. a, a Western f- film crew. Um, and they, they film it in the slums, uh, this, this new movie in Bollywood starring this guy. So, on the very last show, I I thought, right, I'm having this. I'm going to jump onto the to this big massive sewer pipe, and I'm going to be. Up. So I was the camera operator. Yeah. So obviously, me being very pale and ginger and all that, I'm going to be out of place. But it's okay yeah. because I'm part of the film crew, and they yeah. come from you know outside of India. Yeah. Um. So so doing that, and then you know, it it it's just again that's another experience where you're on the stage on this huge huge theater. Um, you know these huge lights on you, and you th- you just you just you just soak it all in as much as you can for those thirty seconds. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm if I'm opportunistic, if nothing else. 
Oh, yeah, we well, got to take those opportunities when they come, yeah, don't you? absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It may not have been the biggest part, but you were there, you were on that stage in the West Exactly End, right. In the show. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Going back to Les Mis, then, obviously, you re- most recently played the part of Jean Valjean, but were you involved in mm. the the original, uh, I said the original, but the the, the first on-island performance of the Douglas yeah. Crow Union? Yeah, so I, um, I was on the Douglas Crow Union committee at the time, and um, we secured this massive scoop, and it was just a huge thing for the island, and every man and woman and their dog wanted to be in in the show um and but yeah i was involved i was in the ensemble for that and i was also understudy for javert i mean javert's you know uh, a a dream part of mine yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and i went for it i actually went for javert when the manx ops did it as well i'm thinking right this time i'm gonna get that part i'm gonna <laughs> get javert and then it kind of took a bit of a detour yeah. um uh, a nice one an unexpected one um but yeah i was involved in that show and then it, it was great it was really groundbreaking i think for manx mm. theater you know, there was a three or four or five year period, a couple other side of that, and then afterwards, where, you know, the the level of, I mean, there's always been a decent level, but it, it, things just lifted. You know, whether yeah. that's, whether that's from, you know, MDs that were coming over or directors or the sets, but things things just lifted on the, on the island. And mm. nowadays, it's just a normal thing yeah. for every production you go to to be a high standard, and that's what the, the Manx public expect. Yeah, you know, we were very lucky here with the. The, the depth of talent that that we have it's it's back in our day when we were i mean i didn't start performing until i was 22 23 yeah nowadays if there's a child now that once they get to 23 they would have done 30 shows by then I mean, look at cory cory that, that's doing yeah. um sweeney todd with us he's yeah. he well he'll be 15 by the time we do the show in march yeah and he's already played uh gavroche yeah. and a, a number of other little small parts so he's already on about yeah. four or five and he's only 14 and this is the opportunities that are now afforded to so much more and yeah. and not just more people but also age ranges and that that comes from a lot of you know it's it's the p- places like stage one yeah. You know, and and move it and platform and all the all the you know Christian Wild Theatre School, all these um, places that are that are bringing these youngsters through and at such a high quality as well. Yeah, it's, it's we're we're very lucky here. So, what would you say then would probably be your your the dream role that you want to play? What's the what's the top of your of your your bucket list? Or have you already done it? But we've met, yeah. But if, I wouldn't have said Jean Valjean um, yeah. before I played him because I always thought that was a part that was um, out of my reach. Yeah, you know. Because I, I, I've come from a background where I'm more of a character actor, mm-hmm. and you know I'm not your leading man kind of thing, and I'm, I'm certainly not a dancer. Um, neither are you. No, I'm only joking. You are, of course, you are. <laughs> um, but it, it's um, yeah. So in hindsight, now that I've played it, you know, I I sit back some days and I go, "Geez, did I did I really play that?" You know, and I've got the photos and I've got you know a few videos that people have taken. You watch the audience reaction, and you know, every day, um, every performance, you're just trying to soak in what it feels like to play that part and what it feels like to sing those songs. Um, so, yeah, and, until until I'd been given that part, it was never something that really was on my radar. Yeah. But now that I've done it, you know, it's, it's well, how, do you, how do you top that? Yeah. How do you, you, you just, you just can't. And so, you know, I, I'm, I, and I must say as well, you know, Jonathan Slight was, um, I hate the, the, phrase understudy because you know that makes that like he's not as, it's rubbish. alternate cast i think is is the yeah. the more pc term these days but it's and it's absolutely rubbish because yeah. like i just said the talent here is so big and and jonathan's fantastic you know and anyone who saw him in shrek is donkey oh. i'm about to see him in hunchback you know the, the guy's just fantastic he's amazing um and to be able to share that role that's how i i view it we, we, we very much shared that role together and uh with him one of my closest friends 
it, it was a real, real honor. And, you know, we've got a strong bond now. Uh, we did have beforehand, but even more so after playing that role. Uh, and we're both good friends with Dave as well. We've played it before. And, and yes. We actually, I don't know if you saw, we, we sang at um, Alexander Slater's concert. Yes. And all three of us sang Bring Him Home. And mm. that was a very special moment as well, as as essentially the three amateur Jean Valjeans, you know, that the UK's seen. Yeah. That's it. Every other Valjean has been professional. Yeah. Um, so we're very lucky to be in that in that group, really. Brilliant. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. For many years now, then, you've been involved on stage and backstage to to a certain extent and also on committee for, with, with mm. the Douglas Choral Union as, as both chairman and, and committee member, helping to organise and arrange and, and put on the show. Um, but now you're stepping out on your own. Yeah, yeah, well, yes. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a permanent thing, but it's certainly something that's going to be um, uh, for the next 18 months in the planning. So one of the shows I've done in the past, um, and I've got to say, you know, it's of all the shows I've done, it might not be the most obvious favourite role, yeah. but this is my by far favourite show to be in. And and the role was um, Jerry in The Full Monty. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it's such... It, it, it was just such a funny show, and obviously, the six guys got naked at the end. So, uh, and I can't describe to you the, the feeling of standing on that stage, totally naked, <laughs> feeling the breeze. Yeah, um, and the breeze from the back door. Yeah, yes, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> and um, in just your shoes, um, and the lights behind you basically light up the whole theatre. Yeah, and your. You, you know, your mind is saying they can't see us, but because yeah. you see every face in the audience yeah. so much, so you know, so, so much of the theatre lit up by those lights. You're thinking they must, they must be able to see yeah. everything. They must be. Yeah. Um, but we got so confident in the lights <laughs> that by the end of the 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 week, we were just you know wiggling just our hips and all oh. that kind of stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah. So so going back to the question was, um, I've got a real urge to do that again. Yeah. Um, because it was such a great show, and you know the audience loved it. The houses um, that came to watch it—it's it, the closest thing I can imagine to yeah. being in One Direction. Such was the reaction, um, and and I think by playing Jean Valjean, you know, I'm looking. I just that it's made me realize that there's certain things I want to relive again, if if possible. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, so I'm putting on um, the uh, I set up a, a production company called Two Feathers Productions, mm-hmm. and I uh, will be staging the Full Monty um, with all the the original cast or the original cast that wanted to do it again. Yeah. So um, uh, in July 2023, um, I would have done it sooner, but it's the first two weeks I could get post covid yeah. and the rearrangement that the theater had to do and but uh, yeah can't wait um and yeah by far the, the the show that i've had the most fun in and um the most enjoyable and yeah it's my my, my favorite show and i really hope the audiences come and see it again yes now i, I believe during the, the last run of it there was a slight delay one night on the the big final lighting cue that might have revealed slightly more than you'd intended well uh <laughs> well on the last show, yeah, I think the 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 lighting cue, <laughs> the lighting cue kind of 
we all expected it to you know count to five and then yeah. bang there you go but they took a little bit longer to make the lights go brighter yeah and i thought in my head i'm like i ain't moving till i see the theater go yeah. right here i'm i am not moving but a, a few of the guys um uh, started to reveal everything yeah. um and then quickly hid everything once they <laughs> once they realized um the lights weren't up fully but one and i don't know if i should say this because we might see ticket sales fly out the door for this area first but the lighting um the lighting effect at the end doesn't work in the gods <laughs> and we found that out kind of halfway through once you know more people came in they yeah. went upstairs to sit um they get yeah. this, they don't get the same blinding effect they don't but... get the same blinding effect i mean but thankfully it's a bit further away you know there's not much yeah. to see um but yeah the light it doesn't work as well up there i'm gonna be, um, set, I'm gonna be selling binoculars up in the gods <laughs> they need to be very powerful <laughs> So uh, the the company then Two Feathers. Uh, yeah. Where does the name come from? It comes from. Uh, so my my mother passed on in uh, 2017, mm-hmm. and in South Africa, which which is where we're from, she she was very much involved in public relations uh, for a major hotel group down there, and then she ultimately um, left the hotel group and decided to set up a restaurant with a, a chef friend of hers from the hotel. And they called it the Two Feathers, right? And so I just thought it was very, you know, it, it just very poignant. Um, and the color scheme for the logo is very much the color. Uh, it incorporates colors from the restaurant, but also her favorite colors and, and purple and pink. Um, so it's very much, uh, you know, it, it, for, I, I really wanted to feel. I'm going to give, you know, we're going to give the full Monty a lot of hard work, and you know, yeah, yeah. But th- this, by giving it this little tilt. Um, just um gives it that little bit of um heartfelt um interaction from me yeah it's a a wonderful sentiment there to 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 name after your your mum's cafe it's wonderful okay let's have a look at some of the 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 standard questions that we asked each each time round. um and one of the ones i like to ask is about what's the best and worst costume that you've ever had to wear sometimes now and we've had this this fairly recently certainly with some of the guys especially on shrek and in a few other shows where Mm. They've been one and the same. They've been the best costume ever, but at the same time, they have been the worst because they've been so hot, and sweaty, and horrible. But what's what's your best and worst costumes? Well, well, I'm, 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 can I? Am I allowed two? Shows? Yeah, yeah, go two? for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> my first, my first, my initial thought was was going to be the full Monty. Yeah, that final scene. Yeah, it's the worst costume because it's your own. Yeah. But it's also the best costume because <laughs> of how it makes you feel yeah, yeah. You know, when you're doing the show. So it's it's not a costume as such. No, it's essentially socks and boots. It's that birthday that's suit. Exactly right. And <laughs> that that's that was you know that was the worst in the run up to it. But it, by the end of the week, it was the best. Yeah. Um, but in terms of actual garments, and that I, I played um, when I was jeez, how old was I now? I was. Um, I was 32 right. when I played Colonel Pickering in My Fair Lady for the mm. DCU. And um, that part, as by the name Colonel, you know, he's got very fine, you know, regimental uh, garb. And, yeah, you know, ex-military. Exactly, yeah, very smart. Well turned out, yeah. And I don't often get to wear that uh, that, that kind of clothing. Um, and so, yeah, I think that show, I think the, the clothing I wore in that, that, and it was fantastic as well because I was very unrecognizable in, yeah. that, in that show. Um, 
a friend of mine, Nick Kane, his parents came to watch the show and they yeah. knew I was involved in the show. Yeah, yeah. And at half time, you know, um, his dad says says to his mum, I thought Alex too is in the show. So and, and and to me that that's a real testament to either either <laughs> the, the 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 wig and the makeup and the costume yeah or my acting I'll go for yeah. the acting <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, maybe a combination of both but yes that yeah. that your 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 acting has taken your character so far away from from you that it doesn't yeah. look like you well that's, that's yeah that's good it's great I mean, obviously Brian needs to have his eyes tested but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes I think so yeah don't sit in the gods yeah. The next one is, is one of my other favourites, one, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes people people struggle with this one a little bit, and more so more so the men than than the women. And this is our gender swap question. All right. So, which role mm-hmm. would you most like to play of the opposite gender? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think um, you know. In more recent years, I've played straighter parts, and like I say, in the earlier years, I was more of a character. Yeah. And I really miss those because you know, if you're either the baddie or you're 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 the funny guy you know it's just much more interesting in rehearsals and it's much more it's a better better show for yeah performer um so i'd really like to go back to something like that and now i thought about this in terms of well you know what what parts would, would scream out and i thought well what about madame Tenardier? i thought no no i think what what would if what would really really be fantastic and it it's the opposite gender, but it's played by a man. Right. And that's Mrs. Trunchbull. Oh, yes. And Matilda. Fantastic. I would love to play that part. And I know I'd have to, you know, um, uh, fight David Artis for that. <laughs> um, a fight I'm willing to have um, if that ever came up. But, uh, yeah, Mrs. Trunchbull. So it, it's not strictly the opposite gender. Yeah. But, but it is. But it kind of is, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got the height on your side. Well, that's that's something that, that, that I don't have. So it's, it's something I've come to appreciate in recent years. Well, that, well, yeah. well as we found out recently, you've got wider shoulders. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, your next performance then mm-hmm. is uh, is as the evil Judge Turpin in the Manx Operatics production of Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, which is coming up in, in March next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the first show on March the fifth, my mum's birthday. Yeah. So she'll. Oh, man. well. Well, if you know anything about Sweeney Todd and the part of the judge, she will be spinning in her grave. <laughs> <laughs> she will not. Uh, but she's always very proud of everything I did, and so it's very, very nice. But um, yes, this, this, yeah, a part that I didn't know too much about, to be honest with you, beforehand. Yeah. And I tried to before the audition to do a bit of research, and um, and so like everyone does I went to the movie with Johnny Depp and Alan Rickman yeah. and I watched that and thought okay yeah okay well if it's good enough for Alan Rickman you know yeah um you know <laughs> of course it's good enough for me then um but no but I thought okay and, and you get a measure of the parts I thought this would be great because it's a it's a part that um you you can go back to being evil again and yeah. and but what I didn't know was and and what's not in the movie is um are certain scenes where he really is quite vile. Yeah. And and I thought, she's no wonder nobody auditioned for this part. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's a, it's 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 a great part to get your teeth into and a mm. great part to you know I, I, I was speaking to John Cumbledge who's directing this I mentioned he directed my first show. We we set a few scenes a couple of weeks ago and he came up to me and said, you know, you've really got to lose. You know, we're all, as a, as a human race and as human beings, are quite, you know, um, 
moralistic and decent people, you have really got to lose every ounce of decency within your body that mm. comes naturally to you yeah. to play this part because he is just vile. Yeah. And anyone that watches it will will see. And hopefully they'll detest me um, because then that's job well done. Yeah. Um, because the things he has to do and say and how he has to say them is is um, is not pleasant. Yeah, I mean, with I think if if people leave that theatre hating both you and me, I think we we've done a we've done a good job, haven't we? Job done. Happy yeah. days. Yeah, they might they might feel probably feel sorry for you. <laughs> you know, um, uh, you're, you're 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 an evil guy, but also you have got a you know a, a good heart. You yeah. know, you know, um, with you know for the love of your with your family and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're devoted to the judge. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the judge doesn't care about anybody else apart from himself no. and his own um gratification i mean i was i was involved in the in the production mm. last time around which was by the time i get to do the show it was 18 years ago um and i played young tobias and mm -hmm. now i'm the old beadle <laughs> yeah. but you know it's it's so refreshing to see how it's been through the last two blocking sessions with john that it's it's so fresh and it's new and it's, it's so different i guess you know to come back and direct a show that you've directed before, it's probably really easy to just re-churn out a new version of of the last time round that you did it. But yeah. I think that the cast that we've got this time is is very different. A lot of the characters that are coming out are coming out in a different way, and I, I think the the judge and the beadle they're, they're they're much different than they were last time round. And David Artis, his his Sweeney Todd is is very different to the way that Tony Hawks did it. And it's I mean, they've all got their their own merits in the right way, but it's. It, it's nice to see that it's it's something new and it's something fresh and it's a, it's a different staging as well. So even if the audience did see it 18 years ago, I think coming along in, in, in March, they're going to see something very different to what they saw last time. Yeah, 100%. And I think that there's a there's a human side to... I didn't see it the last time. I think that, that's one of the periods when I was away with Copacabana. Yeah, it was 2004. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, from, so I can't really compare it to that but the way i'm feeling about it now is that um that, that there is a human side um to all the characters and you know something that a lot of people can relate to not i mean you can't relate to someone who's going to cut someone's throat all the time but <laughs> but there's parts of his character that are quite funny yeah and you know that, that are quite human you know all he wants is his wife and his daughter back and you know but then ultimately this whole story is about um revenge yeah his revenge on the judge mm. and everything else kind of fits around uh, around that um but i found there's a lot that the, there's a big human side to a lot of characters yeah apart from the judge yeah. <laughs> yes and and it, and it's really hard you know it's really hard to play a part that is so evil because you've got to kind of switch your brain off to being mm. and everyone knows i'm a joker and a, you know and that kind of thing and it's um it, yeah it, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to do so um but look i'm, I'm looking forward to it and uh anyone can do it i can <laughs> i hope <laughs> nothing, nothing like a bit of self-confidence that's what we well, like you know, you, you've got to you've got to uh, but, no, but this is it you've got to i've got to tell myself that because firstly it's it's the faith that john and the society put yes. into me yeah um so they think i can do it despite what i think because I, honestly you know i when i found out what this character had to do and say mm. i struggled with like i don't know if i can do this I, I just you know i don't know if i can bring myself to do this um, and Mayor Culpa is quite a, a strong number as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot, a lot um, going on there on many levels. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about it now, so that's why I'm just pausing a bit. But um, yeah, it's so it. I've got to tell myself that I can do it because yeah. if I don't, I will kind of back out of 
the part again and, and giving the part the the kind of attention and effort it deserves yeah really okay right well then moving on then one of the last questions i always like to, to ask people is is um is our spotify playlist hmm. so this was set up just after we came out of the first lockdown back in 2020 so just about a year and a half ago now and the idea was that we would create a playlist that would be the best or our favorite uh, musical tunes uh, so neil king and i when we first set up we each put 10 songs in of our own and these were songs that that either we've performed in a show or they're from our favorite shows or or they there are they are songs that that mean something to us and then each guest that we've had on to the podcast since then has added uh, a new song to the playlist right um so in amongst that list um we've got perio day he chose being alive from company joe hillard chose me in the sky from come from away Tony Eccles chose When I Grew Up from Matilda. Great. Dandy Dancox chose What Baking Can Do from The Waitress. <laughs> and Charlie Williams chose From Now On from The Greater Showman. I mean, we're looking at a playlist there that, that's 41 <clears throat> songs <clears throat> deep now. So, Alex, which song would you like to add to the playlist and, and why? Yeah, it's, it's hard to pick a song that's not already there as well. Yeah. Um, but then again, so I, I, thought, I thought, well, shall I add a song that from a show that I've done that something that means something to me um, or means, you know, a song that means something to me, my, my wife and I, and I kind of quickly put that one aside. Um, no, <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. She's great. Um, but um, so the, the obvious thought into my mind was Buidoy from Miss Saigon. Yeah. Um, which is not the song I'm going to add. Okay. But that, that was my first um, thought. Um, and I've been lucky enough to not just perform it in the musical, but you know, at many concerts since, and it's great to have the opportunity to um, to do those again. But I decided to go for a song that really had a profound impact on me when I, when I saw it in a musical. Mm -hmm. It's the only sh song um, in any show that I've ever seen that has has stopped me in my tracks and reduced me to tears. And it's um, from Everybody's Talking About Jamie, and he's my boy. Oh, what, a, 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 oh, what an amazing song. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm getting a little bit kind of just welling up about it now because I remember, you know, it it was I went to see it with my wife and her sister Susie, yeah, in the West End, and this was about 15 months after my mum had died, mm. um, and you know you get on with life as much as you can, and and I I I, I had an idea of what the show was about, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know kind of how the, the story developed, and this song was, you know, you, you can't help but listen to the words, and when you you know, I was listening to the song from uh, the perspective of, of my mum singing those words, yeah. and you know, she always used to call me my boy, and, and so you, it just, it just, yeah, it it really just is like hitting a brick wall, and I just couldn't stop crying. Mm. Um, and so it's quite embarrassing when you're in a the theatre full of people and you're thinking, I've got to play it cool here. I've got to just <laughs> like, oh, there's something in my eye, but it, it was just, it was just uncontrollable, yeah. and. Um, yeah, so he, uh, it, it's such a great show. Yeah, uh, and if you haven't seen it, you really should. Um, oh, I have. Try it's, and get to a, see it. It's an amazing, amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it at the live screenings a couple of times. I've not not been fortunate enough to get to London to see it. Emma did. She was down for for a training course, and then she texted me saying, "Guess where I am? I'm going yeah. to see everyone talks about Jamie." It's like it's, it's incredible. Yeah, and I know there's a movie out about it now on Amazon Prime, but and I've and I've seen that, but uh, and it's great, but that the musical is. Better yeah. and if you have if you're going to have a first experience of the story, see the musical in, on on the stage. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a fantastic song, and you know, um, 
I defy anyone not to be emotional when they listen to that song. You know, yeah. and especially if you're a parent as well. I'd imagine, you know, as you are, and have a little boy. You know, who's who's white blonde as well. Exactly. So you're going to, you know, you you you'd understand those feelings as yeah, well. Yeah. So it it means different things to the different people. But yeah, it's um, it was ultimately it was an easy choice to choose that that song from that show. Brilliant. Right. Well, Alex, thank you very much for coming and, and chatting with us today on on the podcast. My we wish pleasure. you all the very best with uh, the judge in Sweeney Todd, and <laughs> um, no doubt when. Uh, we get back around and a bit closer to uh, Full Monty. You'll you'll come back and we'll happily, yeah. I'll bring chat the director with, you with the me, director, yeah? the director David Artis. Yeah, he doesn't uh, know what he's let himself in for again. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Neil. Brilliant. Thanks, Alex. Cheers. Thank you. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil Callan. This time of year, it gets quite busy with festive events. So here's a brief rundown of what to expect over the next couple of months. First up is Parkinson Nell with a production of Shirley Valentine at the Gaiety Theatre starring Lisa Kreisky in the title role. That runs from November 25th, 27th. Hopefully we're going to try try and catch a quick chat with with Lisa to talk about that. Uh, Next up is the service players who are putting on a doubleheader of festive comedies written by local playwrights. They're having a mini tour in December and they are two one-act plays that are being played on the same night. And the plays are The Nativity Play, which is written by Daphne Kane, and The Christmas Quiz, which is written by Lisa Crichton. There are three performances where you can catch them, and they are the 2nd of December at the Aeronaut Centre, the 5th of December at Mackled Village Hall, and the 9th of December at Port St Mary Town Hall. Details on how you can buy tickets can be found on our Facebook page and on the Facebook page of The Service Players. Peel Pantaloons are putting on Robinson Crusoe at the Peel Centenary Centre from the 4th to 11th of December. Now this always sells very quickly, so don't delay and get your tickets quick before they're all gone. Manannan's Winterfest, then, is on at the Gaiety Theatre on the 10th of December. The Sound of Christmas, featuring the children from the island's primary schools, is on at the Vilmarina's Royal Hall on the 13th of December. Then Shown Productions are providing the Gaiety's annual Christmas panto again this year, which runs from the 18th to the 31st of December, and has local performer and friend of the podcast, Jack Divers, in the lead role. Hello Little People are back again this Christmas following the success of last year's Dewan and the Beanstalk with another panto with a Manx slant. This year they present Cinderfella, yes sir? And as usual, all parts will be played by just Chloe and Michelle. This runs at Kensington Arts, which is the new name for the Youth Arts Centre on Kensington Road, from the 21st to the 28th of December. Taking a brief look forward to next year then, we have Viva Las Vegas at the Ville Marina on February the 5th, which will no doubt feature many familiar faces from the Manx stage. This show will be raising funds in aid of the Mayor's Charities, which are Gry, Rebecca House and the Manx Youth Band. The Douglas Choral Union then will be bringing another first to the island stages with a production of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. This runs at the Gaiety from the 11th to the 19th of February, and I'm sure we'll catch up with the cast for a chat about that in January. Then finally, running from the 5th to the 12th of March, the Manx Operatic Society are staging Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street at the Gaiety Theatre. This is something we just talked about briefly before with Alex. This production sees David Artis in the lead role and John Cumberledge return to the island to direct after several years away. Tickets should be on sale for this by the end of the month. So as you can see then, we've got an action-packed few months ahead of us. So with that, we bring episode 27 to a close. Thanks once again to Alex for joining me on the podcast, and we wish him all the very best for Sweeney Todd and Two Feathers Productions. As I said earlier, I'm sure we'll hear from him and some of the cast again closer to the full Monty hitting the gaiety stage. Remember to like and follow our social media pages and to get notifications of upcoming episodes and events. Don't forget to check out our Spotify playlist by searching for Manx Theatre Podcast under Playlists. 
If you have any events that you'd like us to talk about or promote on a future episode, you can contact us through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheatrepodcast at gmail.com. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening, and I hope you join me again next time on the Manx Theatre Podcast. I've been Neil Callan. Goodbye. The Manx Theatre Podcast. Taking a look behind the scenes of Manx Theatre. Men actors alive for me.